Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians. Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And we make the case that mathematizing is not about mimicking steps or rote memorizing facts, but it's about thinking and reasoning, about creating and using mental relationships. We take the strong stance that not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching, but that mimicking algorithms actually keep students from being the mathematicians they can be. We answer the question, if not algorithms and step-by-step procedures, then what? So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, or you've heard Pam speak, then you know we have some strong (laughs) feelings or opinions about certain things. So in today's episode, we're going to spend some time here talking about algorithms and discuss, are algorithms necessary? Yeah, or even helpful, or perhaps hurtful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Constance Camille is a researcher who said the teaching of algorithms is actually hurting students. And I remember when I read that early in my dive into research and I thought, whoa, that is a strong statement to make. You better back that up. And she does. Mm -hmm. And we have carried on in that work. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Not only asking, are they particularly helpful, but uh, necessary, hurtful, like where do algorithms fit. To start that off, Kim, tell us about your son, Luke, the other day. This is amazing. Like, tell us about that. Yeah. So actually the other day, really close to here, Luke was working on something in geometry. And to be honest, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was like (laughs) arc length or something that I am not sure. And he called me over because he was really excited because he had found some relationship on his own, uh, whatever he was supposed to be doing. And he said, hey, Luke, I mean, hey, look, I I figure something out. And what he had figured out after I called Pam and talked to her was he had figured out a formula. He had solved the problem using relationship and later figured out, oh, it was the formula that was in his book. Nice, right. It was so interesting, right? So cool. And what the conversation between me and Luke was that he had been told a lot of formulas and algorithms before. And then figured out why they had had worked in the past. But this time he messed with it and figured it out before he even knew that that was a thing that he could get a formula for, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what he said, I thought was really interesting. He said, why do they always tell us first and then we practice it instead of helping us 
figure it out. And he literally said, it seems like they take all that learning away. And of course, I called you right away because I, I mean, thought that was so interesting. <laughs> it's so fascinating yeah. that this this high school kid, okay, he's kind of still middle school taking high school courses, like is clear that he learns more, that learning is happening when he's using relationships and figuring out how those relationships connect together and, and how he can use those to solve problems. He's clear that that's learning. Yeah. And he's able to look back on these other experiences where they've handed him a formula or a rule and step-by-step procedures, an algorithm, and then said, go do that. Mm-hmm. And he, and he's clear that then he, he, he's like, he wants to understand. So he figures it out then, you know, like how he, then he figures out the relationships mm-hmm. and it feels better to him the other way. It feels yeah. better. That's fascinating. So y'all people ask me about algorithms all the time. And I'm finding it fascinating that we're actually differing on the definition of, of an algorithm. And so I want to sort of pause it. I want to like tell you my position that I think we're messing up when we aren't using the correct definition of an algorithm. And you might be like, Pam, like what, who, you're correct. No one else is correct. I mean, it's the definition in the dictionary and it's the definition that computer scientists who are sort of the algorithm gurus, it's the one that they use. So I'm going to, I'm going to fall on that side of the definition. Most of the definitions I hear that are not what I, not what I mean for sure. And it doesn't agree with kind of the computer science definition. Most of them are coming from math educators that are kind of using it in this loose term, this loose way, this loose sort of, uh, you know, it's like student algorithms, you know, when students generate their own algorithms, when students create the, you know, they find patterns and they make some algorithms. They're using it in a way that I would say means strategy. So to be really clear, what we're talking about today is not student-generated strategies, where students are using relationships to, to pull things together and solve problems. That's a strategy. That's like how I'm thinking about, uh, about what's happening and using that to solve the relationship. That's different than a generalized procedure that works for any problem of its type. So that a computer that, let's be clear, is dumb because all it can do is what we tell it to do. It cannot intuit. It can't use intuition to make decisions. It only can follow steps. Therefore, we have to give the computer all the steps every time because the computer can't choose when to give and take or when to use difference or removal or when to find an equivalent ratio so that the problem is easier to solve, or when to use the distributed property instead of the associated part. Like a a computer cannot intuit that. We have to give it the steps to solve the problem every time. So algorithms aren't bad. Algorithms are brilliant. To come up with a good generalized procedure is hard. And so my hat is off to the uh, 8th century seventh century mathematicians that came up with these step-by-step procedures that freed up the common man to be able to compute. No longer were were the only computers, the people who were the aristocracy, who were able to go to school to learn how to use um, an abacus. Now anybody could learn these step-by-step procedures and therefore could be the bookkeepers and could sort of do the computation that was necessary to do. That's like seventh and eighth century, y'all, like early man that, that was important, but that is not important anymore. Now, anybody can compute because we have technology, but, but even more important, we now know ways to help more people mathematize. 
not just mimic step-by-step procedures, but actually use relationships and connections, do what mathematicians do. So I'm not dogging algorithms. What I'm suggesting is the teaching of math is not giving students a step-by-step procedure that will work every time for any, for any problem of its type. That's what computers need. What students need is to develop intuition and use that intuition so that the numbers, the structure influences how they solve the problem. So some of you have heard about my, my kids. I have a, a son um, who is right now a, uh, a junior. He might be almost a senior at Brigham Young University. He's a computer science major. He uh, is specializing in artificial intelligence and, and virtual reality. I love it. Uh, it's like fun when my kids go to these crazy things. And so he's in school and he's literally taking a machine learning class right now. And next semester he has to take an artificial intelligence class. So like it's all of this, this AI stuff that's happening. He's learning, he's, he's already a programmer. He's doing all that stuff. And in this machine learning class where they're, they're like figuring out how to help machines sort of learn. It's like, how, how do we program? What kind of algorithm can we put in a, in a computer so that it can kind of get better at doing things? But, but notice you have to write the program. You have to write the algorithm in order to help the computer do things more efficiently. So he sent me this quote just yesterday. He said, my machine learning professor calls the algorithm part of a machine, the monkey pushing a button. Hmm. (laughs) So if you talk about machine learning, the algorithm part of machine learning is the monkey pushing a button, unquote. And then my son continues. Today's class was about recognizing all of the business slash statistics domain knowledge that makings that excuse me that makes monkey pushing a button useful. Now that was a little bit weird to understand, but basically, like the whole class was about if we're going to be writing algorithms, or excuse me, if we're going to be doing machine learning in business and statistics, and in order to ha- to have all that working, the monkey pushing a button part, we have to let, let's talk about making that useful. <laughs> so y'all. What we don't want in our math classrooms is to create monkeys that push buttons. That's what Kim and I are talking about when we advocate not demanding students use algorithms in classrooms. And we're even going to go further and say, so don't even give them algorithms and suggest that it's a good way to solve the problem. Not for humans. It might be a great way for someone who can't intuit, like a computer. But it's not such a great way for humans. There are better ways to solve problems than especially just mimicking a step-by-step procedure. And and people always say, but Pam, what if they understand the steps of the algorithm? (laughs) Y'all, it's not about understanding the steps of an algorithm. It's about mathematizing. It's about uh, making more mental connections, neural connections between what you know and some new sort of relationships so that then I can continue to use those and create more relationships. That's what mathematicians do. That's how they solve problems. So what I'm hearing you say that's applicable for teachers right now is that what we're against is handing kids an algorithm, practicing it a few times and calling it math. That's not what learning math is. That's not what learning math is. That's not what mathematizing is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you for capsulizing that. Like yeah. to, to be helpful, we're not saying algorithms are evil or bad. We're saying there's a place for them, 
And it's not in the mathematics classroom. It yeah. doesn't help your students mathematize. Yeah. So we have another colleague, right? Who's mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. got a um, spunky, spunky son. Spunky's and, good. Yep. And, yep. Um, <laughs> and he shared a story with us that I would love for you to share. Yeah. So this colleague of ours was talking to us about this spunky kid of his. Um, and they were going back and forth. I think it was about division, maybe. I don't know. They were going back and forth about something. And the, the son is, has heard the colleague, our colleague talk about, you know, kind of what mathematizing is and stuff. And so the son has kind of a clue. This is, I think, a fourth grader, fifth grader, sixth grader, somewhere in there, somewhere sort of middle grades. Um, so division's like a thing, right? Fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And, but, but this kid is clear what it means to learn and what it means to just sort of mimic things, or at least is becoming more clear. And so we got this quote, this email the other day that said, why, why is this person even teaching? So talking about this, this kid's teacher, why is my teacher even a teacher? Because she doesn't listen to what we're thinking. Like, it's just like, she wants to just tell us everything and act. Oh, you know what? I'm not quoting it right. He actually said they, sorry. So why don't they listen to what we're thinking? They just want to tell us everything and act like we don't have things already in our head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's such a fascinating quote. Yeah. From spunky, like this, right? I mean, spunky, like, like, but, but they're has, acting like we don't even have things in our head. Yeah. They're just like, like now you, that's a different sort of pedagogical bent. Like I might be uh pedagogy is not the right word there. What do I mean? Ed psych. Like there are different theories about learning. And so you might be the person who says I can unzip a kid's head and pour knowledge in. They are a blank slate. We don't agree with that. We agree with the sort of bet that that we start with stuff like yeah. kids have just like this kid says, I have things in my head. Why aren't they asking me about what I know and helping me get from where I am, what I know to that thing that they're trying to teach? It feels like you wanted to say something. Well, ago. I was Sorry. just going to say we, we've had this conversation with our colleague and we know that this kid has had a few experiences in previous grades where they had teachers who had given experiences where they were used to talking about math and mathematizing relationships. Sorry. Yeah. And, yeah. and sharing like what they were thinking about. And so it's, I think there's just an experience this year for this kid who the teacher was a little more traditional maybe, and was, is very in the school of thought where like, I have to tell you all these things and like get through all this material. And I do. I think it's just, and yeah, we do. And then mm-hmm. now you go do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the kid has some feelings, right. About that. I think it's fascinating that the kid's yeah. clear. Yeah. Like, why, why, why are they treating me like I don't have anything in my head? And they're just like, like, why is this person even teaching? It's a little harsh. Like, yeah. why are this person even teaching? Yeah. Um, because because this kid has had really good te- uh, teaching learning experiences and isn't this year. Um, that's that's interesting. Well, and it, it brought us to the conversation that like if if you this with this colleague like they're a parent, they're in the parent situation, and so we mm-hmm. were talking about if this resonates with listeners as a parent, if your students have a teacher who is uh, pretty traditional, that they could still talk about rich problems and talk and play about real math at home. Yeah. So if you are that parent, you have sort of some influence over at home. Like you can still create that rich, richer experience yeah. um, with your students at home. And we would encourage you to do that. 
And, you know, we, it's, it's kind of fun. We actually are gaining quite a homeschool following. So yeah. shout out to yeah. all of our homeschool parents that are listening in. Uh, way to go. Nice. Um, we, and we appreciate you. We appreciate all of the teachers that are parents and we appreciate the teachers that are listening to the podcast that are trying to make math more and more figure outable. Yeah. If you want to know um, how to teach so that you are mentoring your students to be mathematicians and you would like some help doing it, we have online workshops and they're actually start running today. Today. So whenever you're go. listening, check out our asynchronous online workshops at mathisfigureoutable.com slash workshops. And all of you listeners that are in the workshops, I am thrilled to be able to interact with you in the message boards. Yep. And we're going to have some live Q and A's. It's going to be a blast. Uh, thanks for taking a workshop. So if you want to learn more mathematics and refine your math teaching so that you and students are mathematizing more and more, then join the Math is Figureoutable movement and help us spread the word that math is figureoutable. Thank you for listening and making math more figureoutable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figureoutable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.